Strike the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. It is 3.04 here on in Columbus, Ohio. That is right. Uh, producer Kyle, through the magic of editing and whatnot, is going to make this sound like I'm sitting right next to Tate Frazier. I am not Tate. I am in Columbus, Ohio. It is cold as hell here. Tate is still in Los Angeles. What's the weather like there? Uh, it's it's very gloomy. You know, it, it feels like wintertime here. I went home to North Carolina. It was very cold. I remember waking up to 17 degree weather. Uh, I was happy to get back just for the weather alone, and then I came back here, and it was like 60 degrees. So it's cold everywhere, Titus. Welcome to wintertime. It's very cold. Uh, yesterday, I want to say the high in Ohio was 4 degrees, and I, I don't mean 14. I don't mean 4D. I mean 4 as in the same amount of points that North Carolina lost to Wofford at home by. <laughs> I mean, that's how, many, that's how many degrees it was. For the amount of times that I thought Ohio Which, State had a chance to beat Carolina, and that was in the first four on, minutes of the game. Let's, so let, we have a ton to get to today. Um, and I, 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 probably, I probably jumped into it a little too quickly. Um, we have to start with the Wadford game because I'm not letting you off the hook. We have not recorded a, a podcast since... When was it? The the like December eighteenth or something? It was so, I, I don't so remember. long ago. It, it, we pre-recorded all the Simmons uh, podcasts that we put we, up over. Yeah, Christmas we break. did the. If you missed that, we did a Sleeping Giants podcast with with our boss Bill Simmons, which I think the people really liked that Tate. I think they really, I mean, the people of of Rutgers, the Rutgers fans, not so much. The Penn fans, not so much. Nope. But uh, other people seem to enjoy it. The, the Boston College fans, when when Bill kept calling Troy Bell, Troy Murphy. <laughs> they weren't fans of that, but uh, it was otherwise, a, go it back. Was in good uh, spirits. Yeah, go back and listen to that if you guys didn't already listen to that. We had a lot of fun doing it. Um, it was a fun concept, and we'll we'll try to do more stuff like that. But um, we recorded those pods the same day that North Carolina lost to Watford, and I, I keep calling them Watford accidentally because I think of Christian Watford. That's how insignificant Watford is. No offense to Watford, but. I'm not letting you off the hook, Tate. I would, it would I'd be doing a disservice to our listeners if I let that Wofford loss happen and we just sweep it under the rug because it happened so long ago. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds. You have to defend North Carolina and what happened against Wofford and why we shouldn't be hitting the panic button and just giving up on Carolina the rest of the year. I did not watch the game because I was editing podcasts, <laughs> and uh, I take the I'll take the blame for that. I didn't even know that it happened, and then uh, I had taped the game at home. I went home, I looked at Twitter. I had a million people telling me how terrible Carolina was, and I said, "Well, guess I'm not going to watch that one, folks." This and is then a I great. Moved on. This is a, this is a great way to handle it. Just like I didn't watch it, it doesn't count. That's, that's <laughs> I actually never saw them lose. So what what can I say? How can I speak to that? <laughs> Um, they <laughs> I watched them win against Wake Forest. That was a fun game. The, uh, they also they also did beat um, Ohio State, uh, and I was at that game. Not to brag, you did not come to the game. We got Memphis on the road trip. I ended up doing the road trip anyway. Um, I got to say, dude, you missed out. I was sitting courtside, North Carolina, Ohio State. I, uh, like the game itself. I, I, the game itself was bullshit. You know it. I know it. North, <laughs> Theo Pinson hits a three from the corner to like start the game, basically. And at that moment, I knew that, that it just wasn't going to be Ohio State's day. That is 100% a they were hitting shots, we weren't hitting shots game for me. Um, I'm gonna If you're going to do the thing where you're going to not count it because you didn't watch the game, I'm going to play my they hit shots, we didn't card and say that any other day we're beating North Carolina that game. 
I will we tell you. We played great defense. They, Theo Pinson's just hitting bullshit. That's what happened. <laughs> you talk all the slander about Theo Pinson and the fact that he t- he shoots like 16% from the three-point line, all this stuff. I clip all those things, and I just send them to Theo, and he just listens to them. You're like bulletin <laughs> board material for Theo Pinson, and I know that he hit that three, and he looked back at you at Greg Oden and said, that's what I do, Mark Titus. I hit one out of 12 of these every single time. And that's Did what you happened. see the one where uh, Bates Diop pinned him pinned a shot on the glass and it still went in? Yes, that that's called uh, we're, just touch. We're, we're speaking. I know we're speaking to a very niche audience of people who actually watch that game and care enough to remember what happened. But that that play will stick with me the rest of the year. I've never seen anything like that. That was that was like Ohio State. I was slowly talking myself into Ohio State being able to make the tournament, and that was the game that would have done it for them. Um, now they're not because like best case scenario, Ohio State finishes third in the Big Ten. I don't think the Big Ten's getting three teams in an NCAA tournament. That's crazy. I think the Big Ten is that bad. Um, I'm I'm joking. Only partly, though. Uh, <laughs> that's the best case scenario for Ohio State. Worst case is they're going to just kind of win a handful of games. They'll finish middle of the pack of the Big Ten, have a forgettable year, and that's probably what's going to end up happening. Um, so if they could have got that win against Carolina, we've been very excited. Did you get my Jay Sean Tate jersey? All I wanted was a Jay Sean Tate jersey. I know. And I you didn't bummed. get it. You didn't I, work it out. You I, were sitting I was, right there. I had it. I was so excited to uh, – well, first of all, I was sitting courtside, not to brag again, um, and there was an open seat right next to me, and that should have been your seat, and everyone knew it. We talked about going on this road trip. You couldn't come in the end. And so I was so excited to, after Ohio State won, go back into the locker room, get Jay Sean Tate's jersey, do something about the play on words with the Tate and the Tate. I had this all planned out, and the one thing I forgot is that North Carolina is better at basketball than Ohio State is, <laughs> and that kind of ruined my plan. Well, can we talk Whoops. about you courtside and what it meant for the television audience? Because I was at home. I had the second second screen experience. I was there watching with my family. Uh, you were on television the entire time because you were literally right next to the bench. You were right behind Chris Holtman. Every time they gave us a Chris Holtman shot of the Ohio yep. State bench, you got Mark <laughs> Titus, you got Greg Oden, you got you guys talking to each other. You're obviously on the floor. You can hear what these guys are saying to each other. Were you impressed or were you not impressed with all the trash talk? Or was there no trash talk so- because that's not what these teams do? So, first of all, North Carolina does not talk at all. They're the most quiet team I've ever played. Like, <laughs> no one says a word. Say a word. I, that's the funniest thing about it. I was I was at home. My dad was like, what is Titus hearing from our guys? I was like, Dad, they, they don't talk. They, they literally don't they say literally anything. They literally don't talk. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the big takeaway. Did you see uh, when Holtman, apparently Holtman got a tech and Greg and I were on TV right behind him and everyone was blowing me up on Twitter. The the hardest part about being on TV and sitting in these seats, which by the way, these were the best seats I've ever had in my life. I had people telling me like, man, it's like you're back on the team. It was not like I was back on the team. When I was on the team, my ass was sitting down by the baseline on the, just like tucked away. I had a terrible view. Um, I know this is, these are, this is this is the sob story that I was sitting courtside and had terrible view, but I would be like all the way in the corner. It was like the worst courtside seat. These seats I had for the Carolina uh, Ohio State game, they were better than the head coach. That was what was so funny. It was like I was sitting in like the NBA. The, I was sitting in the Larry David seat from Kirby Enthusiasm when he tripped Shaq mm-hmm. yes. in that episode. Exactly, that, those were the seats I was sitting in. Yeah. So it, it, when you look at it on TV, right? You you're sitting next to Greg Oden. There's literally no one in the stadium. There's no one at these games. So if, for this to be a CBS Classic, you would hope some fans would be there. It looked pretty empty, empty on TV. I don't know how it was in the building. But my favorite thing was the North Carolina-Ohio State game ends. So I'm thinking to myself, well, 
that was a great experience. I got to watch Titus eat nachos or whatever you were eating, hot dog, whatever it was. I got to watch you laugh. I got to watch you get, you know, nice little facial expressions. I got to watch you stand up and clap and cheer. And now I'm going to miss that because now it's game two. Now Kentucky's going to play. And Mark Titus is probably going to leave because the team he cares about. No, but you're a Capital J journalist. You stay there. You were literally sitting by yourself for the UCLA-Kentucky game, the second game in the CBS Classic, you have five seats, wide-open seats around you, and then you proceed to move to different chairs throughout the game. You, you're sprawling <laughs> out. You have both your arms on the chairs. At one time, I'm pretty sure you took a nap. I'm not sure. I can't confirm that with a screenshot, but I'm pretty sure you were asleep over there. It was amazing. It was great work by you. I was thoroughly entertained. I have no idea what happened in that game other than the fact that UCLA won and that Wayne Gabriel, for some reason, shoots threes all the time. But I watched you just completely take over a game with your seating arrangement. So congrats to you. Good job. I uh, was, for one for one day, for one game that I'm not sure how many people were actually watching, I was the Marlins man of college basketball. Yes. And I got to say, it felt great. It, it was... I, I just remembered what I forgot to say earlier was that the hardest part about sitting so so good of seats was that I knew I was on TV and I knew people on Twitter were tweeting at me and I knew this was like not necessarily a huge deal but I knew that I should like do something about this but it's it's hard to both watch the game and take it all in and be on Twitter and I, I would see people like tweet at me saying stay off your phone we can see you tweeting and I'm I was how am I supposed to stay off my phone and answer your tweets but also, it, it was it was just it was a mind fuck, Tate. It really was. I had no idea how to handle the situation. Um, my favorite really part just, was that it, I could I was see so when rattled. you ignored my like. I would text you things, and I could see you look at your phone and then put your phone yeah, back down. I did. <laughs> I did. I had people coming out the woodwork. Like I have, I have people I haven't talked to in like ten years. Are like, dude, I just saw you on TV. That's pretty cool. And it it, it was it was actually kind of it was, it was actually a pretty fun experience. Um, so the second game was definitely more fun because the first game I I. Chris Holtman gets a technical foul and they show him like fuming on the sideline and and Greg and I are laughing our asses off about something. <laughs> I, I brought something up to Greg at, at the wrong time and we're caught on camera laughing as Holtman is super pissed about a terrible call. It did, that, it did seem as though as you guys were laughing like Thad would never do that. That's what it felt like. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I was uh, making fun of the ref and... Greg thought it was funny, and it, it, it actually, in context, if you knew the context, it all was appropriate, but it, it was a pretty funny visual. Um, so, like, that happens, and, and it, I kind of felt like I had to take it all seriously and not, you know, not have too much fun. But then when that game's over, dude, I was the, – the UCLA game was absolutely hysterical. First of all, Alford is I, – I, I, I could sit next to Steve Alford coach – I want to sit next to him every single game. He's absolutely amazing. The, the one thing I forgot that coaches do, and because and, I haven't been on a bench in a long time, um, I forgot that head coaches just basically parrot whatever their assistant coaches said. And Holtman did this a lot too, uh, where an assistant coach is just like, coach coach that might have been goaltending, and Offer didn't even see the play at all. He has no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. He just hears an assistant coach say goaltending, and he's like, oh, what, what, goaltending? Goaltending, goaltending, check it, review it. And, and the ref's like, what do you want, Steve? And he's like, I'm not even really sure. Let me ask my assistant. Let me double check what exactly I want from you. And he was doing that all game, and it was so funny, with with like line, with with play calls, with lineup decisions. Um, and and this, does, this isn't a knock on Offer. That's what head coaches do, is you sort of like delegate responsibilities, and then you trust your assistants, and then kind of just – listen to what they say and spit it out that way. But it was so damn funny to, to hear an assistant coach say something, and then you just hear Alford say it like 
20% louder, just word for word. <laughs> That's all he was doing the whole game. <laughs> My question to you with Alford, I mean, did it make you sad being an Indiana guy, seeing you know Coach Alford right in front of you right there and thinking to yourself, this could be Indiana basketball. This could be my coach. This could, this could be my Indiana basketball coach parroting what other people were saying behind him. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't go that far, Tate. I wouldn't go that far. But there, so at one point, um, at one point in the second half, the people. I, I should give the background on how I got these seats. I I got them through Ohio State, obviously. Uh, we're we're gonna get into our good guy bad guy segment, but I'm gonna do a bonus bad guy right now at and the say top. that. Uh, Joey Schottenstein is the guy's name. Mm. Big time bad guy for Ohio State. Mm. Uh, the the arena that Ohio State plays in is called the Schottenstein Arena. To give you an idea of just how big of a bad guy this guy is, um, he had he had purchased all eight of those courtside seats for this game for the for the doubleheader, and then decided that he didn't want to come anymore because it, just like on a whim, he's like, "Nah, I got better things to do. I, I just spent like six grand on those tickets, but whatever. Who cares? I don't want to use them." So he just gives them basically to Ohio State basketball team is like do whatever you want with this with these seats and the basketball team was not going to give them to like the parents because then you got to play favorites and you're given you can't you can't give the seats to like Kata Bates Diop you know his family or 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 Dan yeah Dan Dockage is going to be sitting there you're playing favorites you can't be doing that Tate so what do they do I come in I say hey can I get one seat that's all I want is one seat and they're like yeah sure we'll give you a seat in fact we'll give you multiple seats if you want we have this row of courtside seats that are going unused Take a ticket. I actually, I get my ticket. I lost my ticket, uh, and, and when I went to the bathroom, the ticket falls out of my pocket, and and they wouldn't let me back down. What is so it with you back in bathrooms at arenas? Just calm down, calm down. I, I got a whole another spiel about the bathrooms at this place. The bathrooms are bullshit. I I do not like the Smoothie King Arena, but anyway, uh, Smoothie King Center. I lose my ticket. I go back to Ohio State. I was like, hey, do you have an extra courtside seat? And they're like, yeah, we have like five of them. Here's another one. And they just kept like passing these things out like candy. So that's how I ended up getting those seats. Um, and so, like you said, everyone leaves after the first game because they were all with Ohio State, that were si- the people that were sitting there. And I'm by myself. And there's a moment in the second half of the, the UCLA-Kentucky game where I'm the only person sitting in all eight of those seats. And I look around and I realize that the UCLA basketball team is like 20 feet. Their, their entire bench has moved like 20 feet down from where they're used to sitting solely because of me. Like if I got up and left, <laughs> The whole team could just get up and move to like where they usually sit for games, but they had to. They had to. I, I was basically telling the eleven-time national championship basketball program, "Go sit down there, so I can spread out and have all of these seats, the best seats in the house." It was incredible. I was. I had that. I had that epiphany in that moment, and it was like the greatest moment of my life. That I basically was was calling the shots for for eleven-time national champion UCLA. You were the Gilbert of the day. I will say this: Did you hear Cal call out all the defensive adjustments? Did you get? I to, did. I really wanted you to get in the the handshake line with UCLA at the end of the game and just shake Cal's hand. I know, just so he'd be totally Cal confused. Was, Cal was like, "That was the best part about that game." It was like both those coaches like would not shut up. There was so much yelling. They both hate their team so much, and then and then Alfred <laughs> wins, and then suddenly he loved his team. It was awesome. I loved it. So Poor enough Cal. enough talking about. A doubleheader that happened. What was that like two weeks ago? And in, in, probably in, inconsequential with four teams year. that are all trash. <laughs> yeah, it happened last year, which oh, sounds last year. which sounds so great now when you say that. It's like, oh, that was just in the past. That was all last year because now it's 2018. We have conference play coming up. We got a lot of teams to talk about. We got to figure out who's the best team in the Big 12, and that's an actual question, not a joke. It used to just be a joke, but now we have a real chance to see who is the best team in the Big 12. And we got to talk about the tiers, right, Titus? You love tiers. Seth Greenberg Absolutely. likes tiers. I'm a, Everyone I'm likes a tier tiers. Guy. 
I put out the bad signal last night to Seth. I'm watching Texas Tech win in Allen Fieldhouse for the first time in program history. And they didn't just win. They, like, destroyed Kansas from start to finish. Kansas, as we said on this podcast, very famously, we said these words, Kansas is trash. Kansas is not a good basketball team this year. <laughs> or or do we say that about Kentucky? I don't remember. We but said it about we, both. We, we, after, after, the, after the Champions Classic, we both were like, yeah, that wasn't a good game. Neither one of those teams are very good. I still think Kentucky could be maybe kind of good. Like Kentucky, Kentucky is long and athletic, and that's they have no skill whatsoever. But being long and athletic can can still take you pretty far in college basketball. But Kansas is screwed unless they get unless they get Billy Preston and um and and who's who's the did they get some guy to reclassify? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the Silvio. I, I don't know these. I don't follow recruiting. But anyway, so I'm watching the game last night. Silvio de Sosa. Texas Tech. Yeah, that's right, right. Um, I'm sure he's really good. I'm sure he's going to turn the program around, and Kansas is going to going to go to the final. Just four like today. Malik this Newman is, was. It's all going to happen. Yeah. yeah, just like all every Kansas big guy that's every freshman Kansas big guy they've ever had just is always a a, a huge hit right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm watching the game last night. I put out the bat signal to Seth Greenberg. I said, "We need the tears." The Big Twelve was a mess for the first time in a very long time. We actually have no idea what the hell is going to happen in the Big Twelve. And what does Seth do, Tate? He steps up in a big way. He tweets out today the tears. Here are your here are your Seth Greenberg tears. Tier one, he has Texas Tech. Feels a little reactionary. Feels like he's he's living in the moment a little bit. But uh, Texas Tech is thirteen and one. Their only loss was at against Seton Hall. I want to say mm-hmm. at, at Madison Square Garden, I believe. Yes, in the Under Armour um, Classic that we also could have been in that game. Yeah, we should have been. Yeah, got Memphis on that one too. Texas Tech. <laughs> uh, I had this thought when I was watching last night. They feel to me like Florida State and all the best parts of Florida State and Cincinnati like mashed together into one team. Like they can't shoot for shit. They had the one kid hit like two threes early in the game and then they didn't hit a three like the rest of the game it felt like. But they're just kind of long and physical and play great defense. And I was like, this feels like a Cincinnati-Florida State team. Yeah, they have the the number four defense in the country. Chris Beard obviously becomes the first coach to get the win at Kansas. I mean, that has to hurt the Knight family, right? You know, if Bobby Knight's going to go down to Texas Tech and then have his son take over, Mm. you would think that the one thing that they wanted to do was to get a win at Kansas. And the fact that they didn't and Chris Beard did, congrats to Chris Beard. Chris Beard is a Bobby Knight protege, so... You know, Bob Knight gets all the credit for that. Also, he, he, and, and Bob Knight also gets all the credit for Coach K. That, that's another Bob Knight thing. He, get, he gets credit for all that. He therefore gets credit for all of Coach K's disciples. So, mm. uh, yeah, Bob, Bob Knight's doing well. He's doing well for himself. Don't worry about him. Um, West Virginia is also in Seth Greenberg's tier one. Uh, they totally belong. They're, they, they, they have won. They're the only team to not who has not lost in the Western Hemisphere, Tate. They lost in Germany to Texas A&M to start the season have not lost since and so. they and they beat Virginia Oklahoma State and Kansas State those are all quality win, uh, quality wins so far um, the other one right can we just talk about Oklahoma and Trey Young because I think yeah. that's the favorite right now right Oklahoma has to be the favorite yeah they have to be the favorite I just yeah Trey Young first of all can we talk about how Bill Simmons is just like losing his mind over Trey Young and and rightfully so I should say I'm not trying to make fun of the, the guy because if there is a player you should lose your mind over, it's Trey Young. But like, Trey Young has finally got Simmons to actually watch college basketball and actually get into it. And I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna like actually follow college basketball because of Trey Young. I, th- I really think there's a chance that this might happen. He really told us that he wanted to do a Trey Young week at the Ringer, and no one really knows what that means. Like, I mean, <laughs> uh, like, 
But my favorite thing about Trey Young right now is that, uh, you know, he was down to Cal- Calipari is the one now that's coming out being like, I know this kid. I saw this kid. I knew that he was going to be this great. And now he's good. And now he's great. And I give credit to Lon Kruger because Lon gave him the ball. And I don't know if I would have given him the ball because with all the talent I have here, I don't know if I could have done that. I don't know if I could have sacrificed the other guys. But congrats to Lon. It's like, Cal, we know you really wanted him to be here. We get it. Yeah, meanwhile, didn't Trey Young grow up a Kentucky fan? Yeah. Didn't he like really want to go to Kentucky? <laughs> yes. I, the, the, the quote I saw was, uh, I saw Matt Jones tweeted a quote. Um, he said, Cal said something like, I knew how good Trey Young was, but I didn't realize he was this good. And I, I, th- that made me laugh my ass. I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> so did you know how good he was or did you not? Um, so yeah, o- Oklahoma, I would say Oklahoma is the favorite. Uh, I mean, th- th- it's sort of, it, it feels like slightly reactionary. Like you think Trey Young's numbers have to dip back down. I mean, the guy's averaging 30 and 10. That's absolutely absurd. Either one of those averages is nuts, but to do them both at the same time is, it's, it, it, it just boggles the mind. I, it, logic says he's got to come back down to earth. He's going to have some cold games. Uh, they play at West Virginia on Saturday. West Virginia has... You know, I, I I think West Virginia's defense is a little bit overrated, just from the sense that like, if you actually calm down against the press, you can kind of get good shots. Um, but it's still West Virginia's press. Javon Carter's still like a uh, I don't even know what the word would be. An old guy. I, I was about to say bulldog, but that's that's always the Malcolm Brogdon line. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon was the bulldog. He was. So the I'm bulldog. trying to think of like what the other. Yeah, we're gonna see if. Bull. Yeah, we're gonna see if Trey Young can actually <laughs> break a press on his own, which will be interesting because I feel like most of these games yeah. he sort of just like jogs up the court, like does one crossover and pulls up from 30 feet and hits a shot, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, like what what is going yeah. on right now?" Uh, my favorite Trey Young stat right now. First of all, he ties the NCAA record. He gets 22 assists in one game. The only three guys have ever done that: Tony Fairley, Avery Johnson, Sherman Douglas. And then Mark Wade's 1987 record of 406 assists. Trey Young is on pace to possibly break that record right now. He's got 128 assists through 12 games. You do the math. He's going to get close. If he has another 20 assist game, he's really going to be in the, the conversation to break that record. And if Trey Young breaks the NCAA record for assists in a season without playing with the running Rebels and playing with the Oklahoma team that he has, I mean... I don't know what else you can say. That's incredible. And on top of that, he's going to average. I mean, even if even if he's scoring goes down, I mean, he's still going to average like twenty four a yeah. game. At least you know, like it's 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 incredible. So I, to me, Oklahoma is the best is the best team in the Big Twelve. That's not to say I think they're going to actually win it, but um, I, I believe in Oklahoma more than any other team probably right now. But but the, the cool thing about the Big Twelve is like every single one of these games is you have no idea what the hell is going to happen. I, I genuinely think the Big Twelve is the best conference in, in college basketball. And I know you're going to completely disagree because you're an ACC guy, but it's it's nuts how good these teams are. Um, I you've been you've been anti Big Twelve for so long because Kansas always wins it. But if this is the year Kansas doesn't win it, are are you willing to say that the Big Twelve might actually be great, Tate? I'm going to say they're the best conference in college basketball. If if Kansas what? gets dethroned this year, I will say that. That's what I've been waiting for this whole time. Wow. It had nothing to wow. do with the other Big Twelve teams. It had to do with the fact that you can't say it's the best conference when we know who's going to win every single year. You know, and now we so, have a chance. We have like we got TCU in the mix. Texas obviously already took a loss to Kansas at home, but they're still going to be in the mix. Baylor, I they're zero and two. I'm I'm a little suspect on them. But then you got Oklahoma State, who's been interesting. Kansas State, I don't know. I, there's a bunch of teams in the Big Twelve that are fun to watch. Oklahoma's probably at the top of the list right now. But I I, I would say Big Twelve right now is by far the best conference in college basketball. I I would not disagree. Um, 
to finish out Seth Greenberg's tiers, he still has Kansas at the, as tier one. I don't know about that. Yeah, they're tier I think two. What we've seen from Kansas, they're definitely. I'll give them one. I'll give them tier one A, maybe tier one B. Uh, dare I say tier one C or D? I don't know, but uh, I think they're more like tier two. You know, <laughs> I, they're definitely not tier one. Tier two, he has TCU, Texas, and Baylor. I don't think Baylor's tier two. No. I think that's a that's a that's a mistake on that's on a Scott Drew bump right there. That's a, yeah. I'm not sure if Scott Drew is good, so I'm just gonna put him in tier two. Yep. It is is Scott Drew a tier two coach? That's what we we're all wondering. Um, tier three, he has Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. So I, I forget well, the first time we he, we saw the tiers. He left. I think he left Iowa State and Oklahoma State off. <laughs> he, he did not do that this time. They do not. So those exist. are your those are your those are your Big Twelve tiers. The other conferences. So the other two conferences, I think that are are getting pretty juicy, uh, and and we're excited because conference play is the best. Um, you think you have a good idea of what these teams are, and then conference play starts, and you realize we don't know shit. Uh, the Big East is is great in the sense that I think every team can beat every other team on any given night or whatever whatever that phrase <laughs> you want to use is. I still think it's Villanova's to lose. I I mean even, I know they lost to Butler. I know that Xavier's looking really good right now. There are other great teams in the conference. They'll, they'll get some teams in the tournament. Um, but I, Villanova, to me, is still the best team. Xavier's been playing with fire too much. Like Xavier's last like three weeks, they seem to win every game by like four points against shitty teams. Um, they did play well against Butler last night, but would, would you agree with that? And that, that was that was that a letdown game. Is, and can we just say this? I mean, the Butler game, I know you're talking about Villanova and them losing to Butler and everyone freaked out because, you know, obviously Villanova is no longer undefeated. But Butler shot 15 to 22 from three in that game. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like their McDermott became Doug McDermott somehow. Like everybody on their team. It was team, the Rocky game. Yeah. It was, it was just, the Ethan Rocky game. It really was. Like Villa, I always bring up the Rocky game in the, in, my, in the power rankings I write just because like that was, I'll never forget where I was when I was watching Ethan Rocky do that to Villanova a couple years ago. It was just like, it was ecstasy. It was like basketball ecstasy watching that dude just pull it. And, and you have Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery calling the game. Like that—that that was one of the great regular season games of my lifetime. Watching that happen, and I—that was—I sort of felt like it was happening again. The, the dude on Butler like pulls up from the logo with like 26 seconds on the shot clock with the heat check. Did you see that? Yeah, Keelan Martin, right? No, it was the white dude, the the oh, Jorgensen dude. Yeah, the, the number five. Yeah, he, yeah, he comes down on a fast break and just pulls up from like 40 feet. With, with, with there's like 26 seconds on the shot clock. It wasn't even a last second shot, and he hits it. And that was like the kind of night. I mean, these when these things happen, you can't. I, I don't know. You, you, there, there's, you can't say like uh, Villanova sucks now. I mean, they're, they're still a good team. It's just how do you even guard that? Yeah, it's the Fieldhouse Mojo, and, and they were all making. So anyway, anyway, if you see a lot of baseline and bounce passes to the baseline cut, you know that's Butler basketball, and that, it was just fun to watch. And you know Villanova just looked kind of shook by the whole thing. Brunson still played all right, but I mean, it wasn't a loss where I'm like, oh, Villanova was not the best team in the Big East. The team in the Big East that I haven't right. heard anyone talk about really, and said that they probably, I mean, they have a chance to be the best team in the Big East. That's Seton Hall. I mean, you got Desi Rodriguez, yeah. Delgado. I don't know. They're they're a really veteran group, and we watched them a lot last year. Um, and, and you know, I joked about Delgado breaking David Robinson's record for double doubles. But Seton Hall is really good, and they're already two and zero. They're already at the top of the Big East right now, and they have Xavier, who now has you know they're three and zero. Now they have fifteen wins too. But I don't know. Seton Hall is a team that I feel is really sneaky and may may end up winning uh, the Big East this year. Creighton's pretty good too. I don't think Creighton's going to win it, but no. they're they're good enough to. 
Butler is I, I can't figure Butler out. Butler's impossible to figure out. Like they they've they've looked absolutely awful. At, they they look like a CBI team at for stretches of games that they've won that they figured out how to win. Like the Ohio State game, Butler was absolutely terrible, and then they come back and beat Ohio State. Um, the, and then the Villanova game, like they look like the best team in the country against Villanova. I I can't figure out how good Butler is. But it, to to the larger point, I feel like I still feel like it's Villanova's conference to lose. Um, that's not to say. I'm giving up on the Big East. I, I, the Big East to me is the, is the second most entertaining. If, if you're telling me I can only watch one conference this year, I'm picking the Big Twelve. Um, after that, I'm probably picking the Big East. But in terms of like the conference race, uh, I, I, I don't think I, we need to panic yet. Like I still think Villanova's got a good grasp on this, and they're going to be all right. And that segment end. was sponsored by um, FS1 for your <laughs> for your Big East basketball hoops. Um. But the the, conver- the 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 second most intriguing conference race to me, and you can disagree. Feel free to di- feel free to disagree with me at any point, Tate. But I feel like it's the SEC. That has to be the SEC. Um, I have no idea who's going to win the SEC. I I don't even know where to start. I feel like every <laughs> team is okay, but there aren't any really good teams. But at the same time, this feels like a, a conference that could get like five teams into the Sweet Sixteen and no teams in the Elite Eight. Like that that's kind of the vibe I get from the SEC this year. There's no great team, but there's know. also a bunch of teams that really have moments and like is there teams that you don't want to play face in the tournament in the second round. I mean, it's like Kentucky, right. great team, length, all this sort of stuff, but maybe not a great standout player. I mean, I guess Knox is that guy. Florida, they seem to have turned it around a little bit. They get another they get a big win over Texas A and M. Arkansas, I mean, I was talking to you before we started this podcast. They're a veteran team. I know they lost Kingsley from last year, but they're the only team that has really stopped Trey Young this entire season. They're the only team that's beaten Oklahoma. They they just lost yesterday, but they've been great. Auburn is another team uh, that's up there. Texas A&M was great at the start of the year. We talked about Robert Williams a lot. But then I watched the Alabama game with Colin Sexton when they played at home against Texas Mm -hmm. A&M. I mean, they're just throwing lobs at everybody. The whole place was jumping up and down. It looked insane. And then they go and lose to Vandy on the road. So it's like it's yeah. back and forth, give or take, in the SEC. I feel like there's going to be a lot of teams that have, quote-unquote, big wins and then statement wins, and they go and lose. Even Georgia, you know, our boy Yante, uh, they had a great game against Kentucky. It came down to the wire. Can we talk about that Wayne, that Wayne Gabriel charge real quick? Oh my God! My, my, oh my, my God! So Wayne Gabriel, if you didn't see in this game, he comes down and he basically just does like a nice little euro step to avoid contact and lays it in. It gets called a charge, uh, and you know Kentucky. This is tight in the game. I think it was a two point game at the time when this happens. People are going crazy. Of course, Kentucky fans are everywhere, tweeting everything. Even Jay Billis comes out and he says it's the most egregious charge call he had ever seen in a game. And, you know, you hear that and you're like, wow, that's a pretty big statement from Jay Billis. But then Rex Chapman, former Kentucky player, comes and takes it to the next level. And he goes, and this is coming from a guy that's seen a lot of terrible charge calls in his day in Cameron Indoor. And just takes it to the upsy ante on the whole situation. <laughs> that Jay Billis, the king of knowing flopping and charge calls and how bad they can be in Cameron Indoor, says that this is the worst one he's ever seen. Uh, but luckily, yeah. Gabriel, you know, recovers from that. He hit the three late in the game. Kentucky wins, I think 66, 61, something like that. But uh, So a couple thoughts a couple thoughts on that first of all first of all jay to his credit has been consistently a hater of charges yes um so i I, the duke thing is funny like ironically enough ironically enough the joke stands but but jay has been a charge hater for a very long time um and the the other thing you know my theory on why why gabriel got called for that i have this i have a theory that it's his hair (laughs) you've said this before that he looks like a uh he looks 
partly it's part you probably feel this way because of it because of hair partly but it, just his whole playing style you made the comment to me one time i don't remember if it was on on the pod or not um you said he looks like an inflatable man at a car dealership <laughs> <laughs> he has his but arms everywhere it's because he, he's got that hair flopping around like when you run and and it always looks like you're out of control when you have hair like that and that that's what it is so you got the hair flopping you have a play where a guy falls down. You see the you see the offensive player kind of has his hair flying around, and he's got the he's got the inflatable man arms going. And even though he doesn't touch him, you're a ref. You get tricked into thinking it was an offensive foul. So, and, and I will say he my, is very, he has like he plays like a six five guard, but he's like seven one or whatever, however tall he is. Like it mm. it doesn't make sense how he moves. And so when he actually like stepped over, I think they had already blown the whistle to call a charge because there's like no way this guy's not gonna run over homie right here. Like it's going to be a charge, but then he just did this nice little step over and laid it in, but they'd already blown the whistle anyway, which half the time that's what they do on all these calls. I mean, they're already, you know, preemptively blowing their whistles nine times out of 10 nowadays, just to get some camera time. So that happens. Cal goes crazy. Uh, it, it was just a lot of fun. I, I just enjoyed the response for everyone to say, like, because it was such a non-essential play at the end of the game. Like, no one would even have thought about it, but at the time they thought it was going to change the whole dynamic of the game, so that's why everyone freaked out. Then afterwards, no one even really talked about it. They're like, yeah, you know, Kentucky pulled out a tight one today. We didn't shoot well. Got to thank Shake Joe just Alexander for coming off the bench and having 20 points again. He's going to win sixth man of the year in the SEC, right? This guy? Yeah. I, I I don't yeah. understand how well, he should be starting, dude. He shoots like eighteen free throws a game. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand how he gets all the calls. He also, <laughs> speaking of the hair, he he cut his hair, so look for him to be even better now. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't. My understand. favorite, my favorite thing about Winnie Gabriel is how he has become the Malik Monk for Kentucky this year. Like every time he shoots a three, you, the, I, I noticed this at the the UCLA Kentucky game where I, that I was at. Um, Every time he goes to shoot a three, like all the Kentucky fans start putting their threes up, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's going in." <laughs> they do the whole collective gasp thing. And I'm like, "Do you realize who? Sh- like, is this is this the saddest state of affairs ever that Kentucky's reached a point where Winning Gabriel is your knockdown three point shooter? I mean, the guy's all right. I think he's shooting like 43 percent from three, which is you know it's good. He's not a bad three, but the I mean, he takes like what like two a game maybe. He goes like one for. I don't know. It's really funny to me that he's become their knockdown shooter. (laughs) My favorite thing about that is like Carl Anthony Towns, since he's gone to the NBA, there's been this whole, his like whole shtick when they talk to him about his Kentucky days. You know how Cal, first of all, can I just say this? I was a Christmas over break. I watch ESPN a lot and I watch, you know, ESPN, whatever's on. I just watch sports late at night whenever I'm about to go to bed. The one and done Calipari uh, 30 for 30 was on the entire Christmas break. Just in case, like, so if you didn't see it, if you just turn to ESPN, you could watch any bit of it. So I watched somehow watched it like five times separately. Like fell asleep to Calipari telling me about how much he loves his kids and everything. I, I don't know. It, it blew my mind. But in the doc, he's always like, I, you know, everyone knows I hold my kids back. You know, that's the thing. I hold my kids back. And Carl Anthony Towns is like, you know, all I wanted to do is shoot threes at Kentucky, and Coach Cal wouldn't let me shoot threes. And now look at me in the NBA. I shoot threes, and I still don't play defense. Whatever, whatever. And I and if I'm if I'm Carl Anthony Towns, and I get to see Gabriel just jack up threes. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Why couldn't I just jack yeah. up threes? I was the number one pick. I don't know. I still haven't seen that I still haven't seen that Cal documentary, by the way, the 30 for 30. Well, let me just tell you because this, Mark it, Titus. When, when they bring up the World Wide West thing with his you know, Dewan Wagner, Wagner oh being his God. nephew and everything, it is one of the funniest. And they even have in the clip, he was like, I mean, we don't know what what Wes is. I mean, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? He's just a guy. <laughs> 
He's just a guy. Okay. I need to. I need to go watch it. I need to watch it now. When, when it came out, I had Calipari fatigue, and I. I just didn't. I. I couldn't stomach it. I was just like, I. I see this man on my TV every day. I'm not going to sit down and. But but now this year he's he's disappeared. Like we've said, he he canceled his podcast. He's not doing sports center interviews anymore. Um, and I and I strangely want more Cal in my life. Well, I, I miss I, Cal. Let me so just tell I you, Doc. I I got as much Cal Perry as I did like pie over break. So I'm pretty full of Cal Perry. <laughs> I saw a lot of him. Uh, so Seth Greenberg here here we'll we'll wrap this up the SEC talk. Um, here's out here. Seth Greenberg gave us a bonus. He he did not just tier the Big Twelve. He also tiered the SEC today. He says tier one is Kentucky, Florida, Arkansas, Auburn. He's overvaluing Auburn beating Tennessee. I think. I think he got a little emotional about the Bruce Pearl going back to Tennessee, pulling mm-hmm. off the upset thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think Auburn's tier one. No, but whatever. Tier two, Texas A and M. He he throws in the scolding. Uh, Seth Seth was scolding the uh, um, the A and M guys with DJ DJ Hogue who who got suspended. Admon Gilter I think got suspended too. Um, I I think Texas A and M might be the best team in the SEC when they have all their guys. They're they're pretty good, but they, they've kind of struggled as of late for various reasons. Uh, Alabama was tier two, Georgia was tier two, Tennessee was tier two. I don't really have enough of opinion on. on yeah, I think, I think Tennessee is actually a little bit underrated at this point. They've had some tough games. They lost obviously in double overtime. I think to Auburn, and then I don't know. I mean, they could have beaten Carolina easily at home. They kind of let that game slip away from them. I don't know. I, I think Tennessee is a team that. They're probably going to fall out of the top 25, but I, I would not want to play that team. I feel like they're a tournament team, so they should be in there. Missouri is the one in Tier 3 that I look at, and you know we, we joke about the Michael Porter Jr. mystery all the time. I mean, he has – so they start SEC play today. He like put out an Instagram saying – you know, can't wait for SEC play. Let's get going, fellas, with like a picture of him and his practice uniform as if he's been practicing with the team. Quanzo slipped up in an interview and said he, uh, when he got there, he didn't know anything about the back injury with Michael Porter Jr., but he's looked really good in practice. So, so what is going on? Is he, hmm. is he practicing? Is he not practicing? Can he play? Can he not play? I mean, interesting. Because if he can, then Missouri. I mean, you 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 throw that tear talk out of the way. I mean, if he's going to be supposed number one pick, and what I saw out of him in high school, I mean, he's a transcendent player. If he comes back, who knows what Missouri is? But I, I just don't understand what's going on there, and nobody seems to know. Nobody knows. It's the Michael Porter Jr. mystery. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Uh. So yeah, tier three is Missouri, Mississippi State, LSU, and then here's where it gets juicy, Tate. He Seth does not give out tears for Ole Miss and South Carolina. They just they just don't even get tears. He mentions them. He didn't forget about them. He just doesn't even give them a tear. They're no not tier four. They're just no tear. They get no tear. And then underneath the no tier, so the no tier is like the tier four. Underneath no tier is build for next season tier, and that's what Vanderbilt gets. He's got our boy Bryce Drew all the way at the bottom of the barrel building for next season. Um, that's how Seth sees it. So. Love that. Love the Seth Greenberg tears. I I don't understand. Like I mean, I guess that's a positive for Vandy, but why'd you have to put him at the bottom? I mean, like build for next season. It know. sounds like there's some sort of positive spin on that, but uh, I don't well, know. The positive spin is that Vandy's <laughs> dropping bags left and right and getting all these recruits, and they're going to be good next year. Romeo and Langford. I gotta say, I'm pissed. I'm pissed at Andy Enfield for taking USC to Vanderbilt. It was a great game early in the season. Vanderbilt gave USC a great game. I'm thinking back on Vanderbilt last year when they got screwed against North. They didn't really get screwed, but the way I remember it, they get screwed against Northwestern <laughs> by 
basically screwing themselves. Yes. Um, I'm thinking, okay, you got a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year, could have could have beat Northwestern, who could have beat Gonzaga. Um, and then Vanderbilt gives USC, who was ranked like ninth at the time, they give them a good game. I, I was thinking like, hey, I kind of like this Vanderbilt team. They might be all right. And then now they're building for next season. What a shame. Because USC sucks. What a shame. Like that, game meant, that, for, that game means nothing. So. Wasn't Bryce Drew one of um, our original bad guys? So it's, Yeah, he was. He may be a good guy by speaking, the end of this whole thing. Speaking of which, you want to get into it? Let's do or, it. Is it time for the segment? It's the time. The good guy, bad guy, cow guy. For, before we do, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Arizona Iced Tea. Tea that comes in a can. Since 1992, Arizona Iced Tea has been brewed here at home in the heart of Arizona, New York City. Whether your drink of choice is the Mucho Mango Madness, the Arnold Palmer Light, or that one flavor your aunt swears is healthy, even though it's 300 calories of pure sugar water, there's plenty of mi- there's peace of mind in knowing that 23 ounces of Arizona will always be just 99 cents. And now for a limited time, Arizona Iced Tea is offering an exclusive offer to One Shining Podcast listeners, the details of which we're going to be extremely vague about in an attempt to drive traffic to their website. Just go to ArizonaIceTea.com and enter promo code promo code to find out more. That's promo code.com with promo code promo code. Arizona Ice Tea. It's the best tea since saving private Ryan. <laughs> All right, Tay, let's get into it. All right. Let's, uh, good guy, bad guy, Kyle guy. We do have a Kyle guy update, so we're adding Kyle guy this week. But uh, as always, we start with our good guy. Would you like to go first? I would like to go first. Good guy of the week for me. Um, and we're not sure if he even is a good guy or a good coach. But we do know he's a good man. And that's Scott Drew, the head coach of Baylor. And this is the year, Mark Titus, that there was a chance for someone to take over the Big 12 throne to prove that there's a real legitimate team to take over and be the top team in the Big 12. And guess who's not going to be in the competition as it looks and as it stands yep. right now? That's the Baylor Bears. Scott Drew, this was his chance to prove to us that he was actually a good coach, could do some damage in the Big 12, and he's let us down. 0-2 in the Big 12 so far. Basically... Who did they lose to? Who have they lost to so far? Scott Drew's two losses. Texas Tech, and this is before Texas Tech was ranked, I believe, but they, they still got blown out, Mark Titus. 77-53. to That was on the 29th. back in, But that was last year. You know, you can throw that away. That was last year. <laughs> and then they go, and then they play Baylor. Uh, it, or they play, they play TCU in a tight game, 81-78, but then they, they, they throw the game away, you know, and th- there's a new regime coming into the Big 12 with TCU. They got some stuff to figure out there uh, with that whole thing going on. I don't know, Scott Drew, Baylor, it's, I thought this was going to be their year to do some damage, and they're letting us del- down yeah. again. Good guy of the week, Scott Drew. You're not wrong. Uh, is TCU the new Baylor? That's the question you got to ask yourself. And that's what it looked like. That's, that's exactly what it, it looked TCU like. TCU is... TC Jamie Dixon's coming in, who also used to be a. Are we sure this guy's a good coach? Coach, um, that was his legacy at Pitt, as he would get one seeds and two seeds and be great in the regular season and never do anything in the postseason, and then sometimes not be great in the regular season, and no one could figure him out. <laughs> and now he's going to TCU. He's going to a downtrodden program that he's not bringing them back because they were never there in the first place. He <laughs> is going to Texas to a school in Texas. A Christian school in Texas. A private He's school in taking Texas. O- a private Christian school in Texas taking over. He is not resurrecting, again, not resurrecting the program because there was never anything there in the first place. And he's turning them into something. And they're going to get like third in the conference every year, it looks like. Mm. So that's mm. the question. Is he the new is he the new Scott Drew? This is where the by the way, this is where like the meme comes from that I don't I don't think I started this. I think I the, the reason I I always ask if Scott Drew a good coach is because I see like it, it's so funny to see all the different answers. Like people argue about this all the time. Like people swear like the media loves Scott Drew, and rightfully so. I mean, 
the whole thing when he took over, like, I mean, I don't need to rehash the story. You know, you know the situation <laughs> when he took over. Scott <laughs> you Drew. Get the deal. We're not but sure then, if he's a good coach, but time, we do know he's a good guy. That's that's all we can say. He for is now. not Tate. The man has not won the Big Twelve ever. No. And Kansas, Kansas, and you say, well, Kansas always wins it. But still, Kansas shares it. Like, Bruce Weber shared a title with Kansas mm-hmm. one year. Mm-hmm. Scott Drew has never shared a, a Big 12 title in, in his career. He's never been to the Final Four. It, can a coach be a good coach if you've never won a conference championship or been to a Final Four? I don't think so. He let eh, he let then, Brian Zubek beat him in 2010. So, so is he a good the, coach? This, We're not sure. You're absolutely right. This was the year that he finally breaks through, and it looks like he's not going to. So we might have our answer. Maybe he's, yeah, he is a good guy. He's going to give us an answer to the unanswerable question. Of course. What about you? Uh, Who's your good guy? Um, I'm going back to the, to the well, an old friend. Uh, uh, a lot of people listening to this are wondering why we haven't mentioned his name, why we've waited so long to mention his name already. This man I'm speaking of is the head coach of the Pittsburgh Panthers. His name is Kevin Stallings. And as, as his team was getting blown out at Louisville, he turned to Louisville fans and said, and I quote, at least I'm not paying my guys $100,000. And that is a that is a good guy move for two reasons. One, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. Um, and that's kind of the first stipulation of good guy. And I know a lot of people are saying, wait a second. Kevin Stallings is not a good guy. He, this, this is the man who said, I will fucking kill you to one of his players. To Wade time. Baldwin, yes. And he caught that on air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Wade Baldwin. Um, this is a man who famously, as we've hashed out on the the former podcast we did, the, the teed up podcast rest in peace um we talked about how he organized softball games for his players just so he could bomb home runs off of them and presumably like taunt whoever was pitching <laughs> as he rounded the bases mm-hmm. so this feels like a weird pick to pick him as a good guy but he is giving free wins to other acc teams that's a good guy move and he also is for all of the problems that kevin stallings has i have never once heard his name brought up in recruiting violations or bag dropping or anything like that um, so I actually think he sort of has a point. Like I and, and like he definitely has a point. Like Louisville obviously was paying Brian Bowen a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> but th- there's probably a sense from him of just being frustrated as hell that he's not cheating and everyone else is, and his team sucks. And even even though Louisville got punished, they're still having a much better team than he does. And I don't know. That that seems like it would it would it would wear on a guy, Tate. So that's my pick, Kevin Stallings. We like to make fun of him. I'm not making fun of him. You're a good guy, Kevin. We, we love you. Come on the show. Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about that softball game. My favorite thing about the whole thing with the stalling situation was he not only said it one time. He said it the first it time. True. As like a, true. As like a one-off statement back where you kind of mumble underneath your breath. And then I guess the, the heckler said something else back. And then he like enunciated it back. He was like, at least... We didn't pay our yeah, guys a hundred thousand. Like just in case you didn't hear that the first time, he said it again. Yeah. It, it was like a very, it's like a teacher move, you know. It was like just in case you didn't hear me the no, first a, time. Let me just let you know yeah. we didn't pay him a hundred thousand dollars. And then after the game, when he got asked about it, he was basically like, "I mean, yeah, it probably wasn't what I should have said, but I said it. So what? What are you gonna do about it, dude?" That's the move uh, where you're hanging out with some buddies and they're all staring at their phones, and you say a hilarious joke, but no one heard it because they're all looking at their phones. <laughs> And so you say it again. So you're like, hey, guys, put your phones down and listen to my awesome joke that I just had that none of you heard. And that, that's, that's what the repeat move was. And um, he, he said his, his explanation was that he was sticking up for his guys. And listen, I, I'm not really sure how that's sticking up for your guys. As friend of the program, Sam Vicini pointed out, 
He's really kind of thrown his guys under the bus saying <laughs> that his guys aren't are good worth enough. Are worth $100,000. Get... <laughs> yeah, are worth $100,000. He's kind of indirectly throwing them under the bus. But I will always def- I will always stick up for the coach who's sticking up for his guys. Mm. That's a coach move. That's a college basketball coach move that has to be done. Um, I don't care what the context is. That's the mark of a great relationship that a coach has. Uh, although... I guess I won't always. I guess I should. I guess I should walk that back. <laughs> Just walk that back. Hashtag stall ball. That's me, what they do. Let they me walk go ahead and walk that back. There, I'm, I'm thinking in my head. I'm thinking of like all these instances of coaches saying like, "My guy did not sexually assault anybody. Leave him alone." I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe I should sort of like rephrase what I mean by that. Um, in this context, when guys, when, when coaches are, are quote unquote sticking up for their guys, I'm gonna respect it. But I, I can't really connect the dots. I can't figure out how. Yelling, at least I don't pay my guys $100,000 just sticking up for his guys. But if that's what his intent truly was, props to him. That's my good guy of the week. Great good guy. Uh, also, yeah. by the way, uh, shout out to Roy Williams. Because if we would have done a podcast after the, the Wofford game, he would have 100% been my good guy. And I feel um, I, don't, I, I feel a lot of things, but I, I, I'm really <laughs> pissed off that, that our scheduling... Like he he basically lost the Wofford game. He he knew what was going on. Mm. They lost the game right before Christmas. They mm. knew we weren't going to do a pod, mm. and he thought he could get away with it. I'm not letting him off the hook either. He's he's my other good guy. He's my good guy of two weeks ago. So there you go. Classic Christmas news dumps. Uh, some other honorable mentions. Bill Self is on there. Obviously, you know, losing to Texas Tech at home for the first time. Uh, David Paget when Louisville. Louisville's probably not going to make the tournament, even though they did beat Louisville. Got yeah. blown out at Kentucky. Yeah, and, and and it's a Rick Pitino thing yeah. to lose to Kentucky, but. Not like that. Mm. You, you you don't lose that way. That was bad. And then Jay Wright, obviously, uh, you you had him as your honorable mention. Can you can you do, can you explain to the world why? Yeah, Jay he was, Wright. Yeah, Jay Wright loses to Butler, and um, so J P. Mercura, Xavier, our J P. former the artist formerly known as J P. Sleeves, they beat Butler the other night. Last night it was last night. What do I mean the other night? Mm-hmm. And he tweets. He tweets the Xavier way, which is a he's basically mocking Butler because the Butler way is like this thing that Butler, the the two things with Butler are the Butler way and Tim Brando saying the Butler did it again, and those <laughs> are like their two things. Um, and so he's mocking that because that's the JP Sleeves move. Jay Wright does the other thing. He he loses the Butler at Hinkle Fieldhouse. He's now lost. He's zero and three against Butler the last three games they played. What was the stat? They're they're like forty one and two against every other Big East team. In the last few years or something. Yep. But against Butler, they're 0, 0 for their last three. Yes. Uh so Butler has Jay Wright's number. And instead of instead of doing the JP Sleeves move, we're trying to talk shit or doing a, a a move like that. He goes to Twitter and he says, Great atmosphere, intelligent fans, disciplined team. Congrats to Butler. So, something along those lines. So gracious move. He he not only hands Butler a, a huge win, like Butler was sort of teetering on bubble. Like they were probably going to be in the tournament. They're probably going to make the tournament, but they're definitely in. They're definitely in if they continue on this trajectory with with this win over Villanova. Um, so that was a good guy move. But then very gracious in defeat. That's good cl- move, Jay Wright. Classic Jay Wright. Uh, the right way. Uh, let's go to bad guy. Uh, I'll jump off with mine. It's pretty simple. Mark Fox, the head coach of the Georgia men's basketball program, a guy you probably haven't heard much about, but. He's been around for a while uh, at Georgia, and now he's trying to make a splash. He's he's probably the classic good guy that's turned bad guy. Um, 
he gets this is the month of December that this has all happened. He gets his first five star commitment since Lou Williams in two thousand five. In two thousand five, a guy from Georgia, uh, he gets Ashton Hagens, and we're going to come back to Hagens real quick because it was the best way a bad guy could ever commit to a program. Uh, they also get a top fifty guy, Elias King, uh, from the Bulldogs. So they have the best recruiting class in twenty nineteen. That's all bad guy moves from Mark Fox. Congrats to him. But the best thing about Ashton Hagens and his commitment, he does this video in a gym where he's dribbling the basketball around, and he's like, I don't know. I'm trying to find my next destination. We're going to see what happens with this whole thing. With me, it's going to play out a certain way. I know I'm a G, though. And he pulls out this Gucci bag, slaps it on the table, and you're thinking to yourself, what is in this Gucci bag? Like, Are we sure we should be filming this? What is going on? He unzips the Gucci bag. He pulls out a Georgia Bulldog hat, pulls out a Georgia Bulldog shirt, puts them both on. The irony is not lost on me. Mark Fox, good for you. I hope that you bought that Gucci bag for Ashton Higgins, and congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs. Mark Fox, bad guy of the week. Unbelievable. Like, so on the nose to do... He has to listen to the podcast. (laughs) He has to. He he pulls out a hat from a Gucci duffel. Unbelievable. That's that's my favorite that's my favorite announcement I've ever seen. That's right up there with that that's I think it's eclipsed. It's definitely eclipsed. Uh the Cliff Alexander when he grabbed the Illinois hat and then put on the Kansas hat. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was great. All the Illinois, Illinois fans were oh already celebrating and then they just fell in defeat. Yeah. Yes. You have the video of like so it's such a sad state of affairs in Illinois that they were shooting video. They were shooting like reaction videos. There's like a group of, I'll never forget this. The group of guys that were like videotaping themselves, watching Cliff Alexander make his pick. And then he picks the Illinois hat and they all go nuts and they don't even see that he was. Yeah. I don't know. But, but just the fact that they were like filming themselves is, is hysterical to me. For uh, Cliff Alexander. Great pick. Yes, exactly. Yeah. For, for Cliff Alexander, right. Great, great pick. Uh, my pick, I'm going a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, a little off the beaten path, a little uh, a little bit of a curveball here. I'm going with Oklahoma Athletic Director Joe Castiglione, um, and the reason is this, Tate. This man was hired as Oklahoma's Athletic Director, I believe, in 1998. Mm. Uh, since then, he has now, I, I just it just all came to me as I was watching the college football playoff, and I'm watching Trey Young go nuts. Since this man was hired as athletic director, they have had, and stick with me here, uh, Heisman Trophy candidates. Josh Heupel, who, did he win? The, he won the Heisman, right? What? Did he really? No, he didn't. No, no he didn't. He no. didn't win the Heisman. God, if he did, then anybody can. No, I'm thinking of uh, Jason White. That's the guy yeah, who won the Yeah, Jason White, yes. Jason yes. White. I get those two mixed up. So he has <laughs> oh, Heupel. Heupel was a Heisman finalist, though. I yes. swear he's a Heisman finalist. Yeah, he was. He, he has was. Jason White. Adrian Peterson was a Heisman finalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who else am I missing? Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford wins the Heisman. Yep. Baker Mayfield wins the Heisman. On top of that, since this man was hired, uh, Blake Griffin wins National Player of the Year. Yep. Buddy Hill wins National Player of the Year. Trey Young's about to win National Player of the Year. Oklahoma's won a football national championship. They went to the the Final Four uh, in basketball. They've been to a few BCS title games. They went to the Final Four this year. This man is is dropping bags left and right. Um, it, it finally all clicked at like how insane it is that we're about to have three national players of the year from Oklahoma in basketball. 
in, in like a 10-year span. And and so I wanted to give a shout-out to, to Joe Castiglione. And he just got the whole Jordan deal done. So basically, Blake Griffin comes back to Oklahoma and is like, here's everything Jordan you could ever want. So, you know, enjoy recruiting kids for the next 20 years saying, hey, you want those Concord Jordan 11 grays? Yeah, we got them here. Here you go. You can have them. Welcome to Oklahoma. You can play basketball for us. So he's got a whole deal it's, set in place. That was a huge thing for them. Uh, there's, yeah, Oklahoma. If you're Texas right now and you get to watch Oklahoma, you're just like, what are we doing wrong? How, how have they figured it out? But they have. And it makes no, it make, it makes no sense how it's happening. Like it's, it's, it's absolutely insane that I know Norman isn't Oklahoma City, but it's close enough that no one cares, and we're all counting it as the same spot. But it's, it's crazy to me how like Oklahoma, the Thunder are a thing, and Oklahoma is a thing, and Oklahoma State football is kind of a thing. You yeah. got the Mike Gundy mullet. Like I'm into that too. It's it's Oklahoma is like a sports hotbed, and it makes no damn sense how. Um, but Joe Castiglione is definitely dropping bags, and he and he's doing his part. So I want to I want to give a shout out to him. That's my bad guy of the week. First AD on the but bad also, guy list. Congratulations. Also, shout out to bonus shout out to Joey Schottenstein for hooking me up with those tickets indirectly. Um, mm. I, I forgot to tell you the I forgot to tell you the Joey Schottenstein story um, that I just found out the other day. This is a man. This this guy dropped so many bags that he. The story goes that he flew in from Vegas to the Big Ten tournament uh, one year when Ohio State was playing in Indianapolis for the Big Ten tournament, and he was just there for the game, so he was like going to go to the game and then get back on this private jet and go back to Vegas. And even though he was not going to stay in Indianapolis, he he bought a hotel room, a suite at the Conrad, which is like one of the nicest hotels in downtown Indianapolis. He buys an entire suite at the Conrad, Conrad, and. The, his explanation is um, he thought maybe as he was visiting the city, he would have to take a shit. Oh. And that was where he was going to go shit. I'm not <laughs> even joking, idea. Tate. This is the story. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Good for him. What the this is the story. The man That's bought a hotel wealth, room. Mark not- Titus. You, talk, you, you complain about your bathrooms at the Smoothie King Center. Could you imagine if you rented out a suite that you could walk down to? This is, this is why I'm telling the story. I'm a bathroom. Like, that is... Uh, that's a big time bag guy move. Like I'm gonna drop this bag at the Conrad. Get me. I need the penthouse suite. I'm not gonna oh step God. foot in it. Only the only reason I'm gonna step foot in this is if I'm downtown at a bar and I suddenly have to shit. I'm gonna walk to the hotel. And go. That's what I like to hear. That's God amazing. Damn, that's what we're all. Dre- that's the life we're all dreaming of. Um, bonus bad guys though. Yeah. Uh, honorable mentions. Bill Self got this guy to reclassify. What's his name again? Silvio De Sosa. Silvio- is he good? He can't be good. I don't think so. But but sure. He can't we'll, be good. We'll say, we'll say he is, just for the sheer fact that he can be a good guy and a bad guy in the same week. Uh, and then Billy Preston also is on that list. You know, everyone's saying he may come Ooh, back. Billy Pre- the Billy Preston mystery continues. Did you see his mom, what his mom tweeted? No. What did she, she say? She gets on Twitter and says, she says, I'm tired of being quiet. I'm sick of watching people bash my child. But if he suited up tomorrow, he'd be the next coming of Jesus Christ to you guys. Enough is enough. Be a fan, be supportive, be empathetic, or just be quiet until the NCAA does what they have to do. That was her statement to Kansas. I guess Kansas fans have been giving Billy Preston shit for um, I don't know, but that that was that was an interesting interesting tweet there. The Billy Preston mystery continues. I love she's when, not wrong by the way. She's not wrong at all. I love when the moms and dads stick up for their kids. And speaking speaking of dads it's that do more than just stick up for their kids, uh, he's willing to start his own basketball league and take his kids to uh, Lithuania just so they can get paid to play basketball. That's LeVar Ball. He's uh, also honorable mention bad guy. He plans to start his own league to play players, you know, what do you say, $10,000 to come play for his uh, big ball brand uh, basketball league. 
so that that's something to watch out for with LeVar Ball. I will say this. I played for a Lithuanian. Well, I was I went to Wake Forest basketball camp in 2003. My coach was Vitas Danilus, for anyone that remembers Vitas Danilus, from, from Lithuania. Mm-hmm. He was like the meanest counselor I've ever had. He did not play around with basketball. You didn't get to joke around. Everything was fundamental. So I would love to see, uh, you know, LaMelo and LiAngelo play basketball in Lithuania because it'll be a shock to the system for sure. That'll be hilarious. Yeah, we we did we haven't done a pod since Lavar announced his his idea for a league for college players to basically get paid, which is not it, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's it not going to work, work, but it can't possibly work. Congrats to him. The the move. What I would do if I was him is instead of that, I would try to start a league for like sixteen and seventeen year olds and let them because you're never going to get the guys who are are like you're not going to be able to compete with the college thing, but compete with high school like put to, if you put together a league like high school is already a farce high school basketball like these guys are reclassified we just talked about Sylvia D'Souza we I, we brought this up when Michael Porter's brother reclassified what what the hell does reclassify mean what does Mar- Marvin Bagley reclassify you just skipped an entire year of school just because <laughs> you're a good basketball player it makes no goddamn sense and these guys do it all the time it's become a high school basketball has become a farce the way you combat that is start a league there where you're paying kids like whatever and and I, I would watch that if you if you get like the best 16 and 17 year olds in the country to play each other tell them they don't have to go to high school just go there like it would they would forfeit their NCAA eligibility but then their their path becomes like play in this league until you're like 19 go to the G League for a year get drafted maybe maybe not who really cares it's, it's at least an alternative to going to college that's a league I'm into Tate I'm not into the uh to this alternative college thing it's not gonna work so did you I don't know. did you just get signed by Big Baller Brand to to work on their strategy? I think I, I'm a marketing. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, just, that's a great idea. You just so, did it. What about what about the Kyle guy update? Give, yeah. give us the Kyle. Yeah, guy Yeah, this update. is a quick Kyle, Kyle guy. guy. Yeah, quick Kyle guy update. Yeah, we got New Year's resolution uh, for Kyle guy. So Ty Jerome has been on a tear. I mean, I love Ty Jerome. You know that. I love Jerome Rome. I love everything that he's doing right now. He had 31 points, 29 points. He wins ACC Player of the Week. Um, He's really feeling himself. You know, I I saw Mike Scott, former UVA player, tweeting at him. You know, Justin Anderson, Malcolm Brogdon, all these guys saying, uh, you know, love what Jerome's doing, blah, blah, blah. So Cal Guy responds to that. He said, my New Year's resolution, and he tweets at Ty Jerome, is to get more assists from Ty Jerome, which is just great. You know, it's basically like Ty Jerome's mm-hmm. on this high right now. He's like, I can't be stopped. I'm scoring at will. You know, he's given kind of sassy press conferences where he's like, you know, I'm not a role model. I just get buckets is what I do. And Cal Guy's like, well, maybe you should pass the ball to me more so we can be the Splash Brothers that we're supposed to be. So good for you, Cal Guy. Great New Year's resolution. I like it. That's the Kyle, Kyle guy. Is very That's easy all we got. For. No, I, I like. I got nothing else to say. I mean, I just like. I, I I've always liked Kyle guy. I'm I'm a Kyle guy guy. <laughs> just a just a <laughs> Kyle guy guy. Uh, should we shoot out shout outs before we get out of here? Yeah, let's wrap this up. Let's get some shout outs. We'll close it out. Um, go ahead. First, you can start us off. First up, shout out for me. Uh, Duke was favored by 12 over Florida State. They win by seven. They move up two spots in the AP poll. UK favored by five over Louisville, wins by 20 my, 29, and they moved down one spot in the AP poll. Kentucky, once hmm. again, just so, getting cheated by the system. Uh, I feel I, I feel bad for Big Blue Nation. They're never getting catered to. They never get they never get any favoritism at all. So sorry to Big Blue Nation. I hope things turn around for y'all. What about you, Titus? Another shout out. Interesting. I, I want to give a shout out to I, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of his name. This is this is like a bit we do where we mispronounce names and we pretend like we're doing it on purpose, but really we're just idiots. Um 
Chimizi Metu? Is that how you say his it's name? It's Metu, yes. I, I do know that. I get... I gave up on USC after after they started sucking. I I want I I know how to spell it. Like I see his name. I I don't know. But I'm like you. I don't always pay attention to what the announcers are saying when I'm watching the games. Um, Metsu ball taps. Uh, Carter Skaggs of Washington State. And the reason I remember Carter Skaggs' name is because he he's from the middle of nowhere, Indiana, that my dad's from. They went to the same <laughs> high school, and uh, that that's the only reason I know that this guy on Washington State, Carter Skaggs, uh, he gets ball tapped by Metsu. <laughs> On a three-point jump shot, and then he get in the Metsu. I see he got suspended for half a game. So Andy Enfield going into the Coach K bag of tricks, the suspended indefinitely for one half of one game. Um, and let's clean it up. Metsu's pretty dirty, by the way. Like he slapped the shit out of Peyton Pritchard last year. I remember that play. I do remember that. I will say this. I mean, what 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 would have gotten him a full game suspension if he got two balls? I guess he got one ball on the on the tap. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they figure that sort of stuff out, but I, I wish we knew. Oh we God. need a breakdown. That's a good for joke, that. Tate. Yeah, thank you. That was you. a good joke. Thank I like that. I like that. Uh, next up, we got Patrick Ewing. He gives a speech, um, and Patrick Ewing for some reason has now morphed into like a fifty-five-year-old white man that doesn't like <laughs> any sort of any sort of like athleticism or anything. He just loves fundamentals so we, we get like an inside the huddles which we usually never get anything in these but for whatever reason we get this great shot he goes what kind of shot is that have you ever shot that shot what is that a step back or something it's like Patrick Ewing you literally did that your entire career on the post I don't understand what has happened to you uh, but he does not like anyone taking one footed step back jump shots and especially if they haven't practiced it before so shout out Patrick Ewing for keeping it fundamental <laughs> I love that that was that was absolutely that, that that just just I don't know I have no words to describe that. what kind of shot the, the way he said it too is just so funny he was like have perplexed pra- by the like, idea of taking us he's like what is that what are you doing have you and you know, and you know the player is like a smart ass he's like of course I've shot that like it practices all the time like I w- it would have been really hard for me to bite my tongue there it, re- it also reminded me of um like that was that's a very acute instance where like the guy probably shot it he probably shot like one shot and it was like probably a weird circumstance like it's not like he's coming down every time and, and shooting the shot, you know? So to me, it's like, I don't know how much it's worth wasting half of your time out to yell at one guy about one shot that he took. And the reason I bring that up is because when I was sitting next to Steve Alford at the, at the UCLA game, he, he it, it just, I just remember this. He did this a lot where he would, he would yell at guys for like plays that are never going to happen again. It would be like a two on three or a three on two. I mean, fast break. And, it's this this certain combination of three players and one guy didn't pass it to the right guy at the right time and he would spend like a huge segment of his time out like explaining don't do that next time and mind you there's never going to be a next time where like (laughs) those three guys are going to be going up against those two defenders you know um but he would do that with a lot of things and that's like that's such like an old school like you said an old school coach move where you're you're trying to fix something that it's not even worth fixing it like the guy took probably one shot. He was probably like feeling it a little bit. He's like, I'm, I'm kind of good. Let me try to shoot this. I missed. This isn't a problem. I'm not going to do this every time down the floor. But Patrick Ewing still says, what kind of shot is that? He says, <laughs> have you ever shot that shot? <laughs> set shots only, folks. Set shots only with Patrick Ewing. Uh, um, yeah, so good. I, I also want to give a shout out to Arizona, to Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott for putting Arizona versus Arizona State on the Pac-12 network. Um, just a really savvy business move. I, I care about one Pac-12 game all, all year. The Pac-12 is terrible this year. I was excited that USC might be good. UCLA is not, not that bad. They, they could be – like I guess terrible is a, a strong word. But um, Arizona State's the big surprise. Arizona is not as good as we expected, but I still think they're going to be really good. I've been saying that for weeks. Um, 
this was the one game, if I'm going to care about the Pac-12 this year, this was the one game I was going to care about. And they put it on something called the Pac-12 Network that nobody gets and no one watched the game. And no one, you and I could could make up what the score was and no one listening is going to be able to fact check it because no one cares. And um, yeah, great job, Larry Scott. Yeah, my favorite thing about that game was Arizona State is now the last undefeated team of the season, but it was only because they played the latest game of the day because they're obviously on PST time. So like Villanova loses early in the day, and then you know I think what was it TCU lost earlier in the day, and then Arizona right. State they put up all these graphics of like Bobby Hurley being like last undefeated team, look out for Arizona State, Sun Devils on top, and it's like they literally lost that night, so they had about three hours of that being circulated, and then it was all over. But, but you know what? I'm glad they took as, advantage as of it. As you, as you pointed out at the start of the podcast, if you don't watch the game, it doesn't count. So. Uh, <laughs> Maybe maybe that's what the savvy move is about. The Pac-12 is saying we still have an undefeated team because no one saw this game and Great move. Arizona State has not lost. <laughs> Genius play. Genius play by them. Genius move. Uh, so, fi- final thing for me before we get out of here. Get well soon, Bonzi Colson. Uh, he's going to be out eight weeks. He's one of our favorites here on the podcast. We love the Matty Farrell, Bonzi Colson pick and roll. He was averaging 21.4, 10.4 rebounds this season, 2.4 blocks. What's I mean, going on? He's been What's great. going on with Notre Dame? Are they are they good? Notre they, Dame is Notre Dame just not disappeared and they've lost what yeah. three of their last eight. They they've kind of been have we, they? We, yeah, we were really excited about them earlier in the year when they got to the top five and won Maui, I mean, but they're they're sort of on a slide right now. They're especially going to miss Bonzi Colson, but we love you, Bonzi. We hope to see you in the three on three tournament we that we call later in the year. <laughs> Get well soon, Bonzi. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Bonzi. <laughs> Please, Bonzi. America needs you. We need you. We miss you. Um. <laughs> no, I, I want, I want, I, yeah. I, Notre Dame's not like great. Like I knew they weren't going to be like great this year, but um, I just realized I haven't really watched them in a long, very long time. I would like them to to come back into my frame of reference. I would like to see them on my television. Um, but I'm certainly, I'm sure as hell not going to put in the work. I need them to <laughs> to be. I need them to put in the work. So I I watch them. So, exactly. Um. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. You ready? We should we close this thing down? Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, One shotting podcast. We will be back Friday. Uh, producer Kyle is back. We are back. It's 2018. Um, yeah, it, we, are we back on a regular schedule? Can we give these people like an actual schedule for when we're going to do these podcasts? No, Mark Titus, that would be too complicated. <laughs> See what it happened was. <laughs> one day, one day, right. folks, right. we'll have a real schedule. Just, uh, just, just keep uh, looking in your. What, what, how do how do podcasts work? What do you, what do you call that? Oh like the, the 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 lineup of pod the, the inbox. Yeah, whatever just it's called. keep checking your you podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate everyone damn, listening, I'm, ratings, reviews. I'm so old. I just said how do podcasts work? I, I can't believe on. that you're saying that because we're literally on one as you speak. But we made it to the top of the charts, number one podcast over break, and we, we appreciate did. everyone listening. Uh, it means a lot to us, obviously, to be uh, you know relevant and talked about and discussed and you know for people to listen to us so please keep doing so keep dropping the bag and we will be back on friday save the crew